dedication to the home team like you guys. And we've got all the sports you can handle. It's all in the bag. Ingles. Low prices. Love the savings. Meet Joe A. Hi. Joe B. Hello. And Joe C. What's up? Three everyday Joes perfecting their banking with Chase. Joe A is locking his lost debit card with the Chase mobile app. Joe B is cruising toward his new ride with AutoSafe. And Joe C's Chase banker is helping him budget to go back to school. Tools that help protect, support for what's next. One bank that puts you in control. Visit chase.com slash checking. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Messaging and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member FDIC. Welcome your guests into a clean, healthy home this Thanksgiving by calling the cleaning pros at Zero Res Carpet and Air Duct Cleaning. Clean indoor air quality is more important than you think. Less dust, less congestion, and less yuck floating around your home. Breathe easier again by calling Zero Res Air Duct Cleaning. Right now, when you mention me, Mickey Potter at WCCP, get $30 off your next air duct cleaning. Use a promo code AIR30 when scheduling online at ZeroResGreenville.com. It's time for the Mark Childress Show on 105.5 The Roar. Sports from a different angle with national guests and exclusive player and coach interviews. And now, Mark Childress. Welcome in, everybody, to the Mark Childress Show. This is not Mark Childress. This is Facts and Childress substituting in for Mark tonight on this beautiful Monday evening in November, November 14th, 2022. Coming to you live from the brand new Upcountry Fiber Studios. I, I'm positive that William Kwok and Bush, Ben said and the other people on air today have talked about it, but this is absolutely incredible over here in Easley, uh, an incredibly nice facility. I'm kind of blown away right now. I'm still taking it all in as I'm on air, but going to get into some Clemson sports talk tonight, going to get into some NFL talk tonight. If you guys want to get in on this action, get in on the Adams & Co. roofing text line, get in on the phone lines at 864-654-7627. That is 864-654-7627. Let's get right into it with the a Clemson basketball recap, Ramona. You know, the Clemson Tigers went down uh-huh. to Columbia on Friday night. Yes. And Ramona, you've known me for a while at this point, and you know that nothing makes me more upset when the, than when the Clemson men's basketball team loses. I'm an avid fan of the Clemson yes, men's basketball team. You are. Uh, definitely a passionate ride or die fan. And I would love to say I didn't see this coming, but if I said that, I would be lying because it feels like every single Clemson basketball game that breaks down at the end of the game ends with my heart getting broken at the buzzer. This time, it specifically just happened to be Chico Carter for South Carolina. I think it being the in-state rivalry broke my heart even more because obviously I would have loved to post on social media our state. I would have loved to, you know, had that rivalry win. It would have gotten Clemson off to a really good start in the season out of conference. But instead, the Tigers take a pretty bad loss down there in Columbia by a score of 60 to 58. Um, I'm pretty sure that this could cost the Clemson Tigers a spot in the NCAA tournament. And you might think that's an overreaction, Uh, but, and we get a text in from Jed that said, facts and what happened on Friday, you said they would win at South Carolina. Jed, I really thought they would. And maybe that was false place confidence, but at the end of the day, this South Carolina team is not particularly good. You look down the box score and who was doing damage to Clemson. You know, Gigi Jackson was pretty quiet. He had 12 points, 8 rebounds on 4 of 13 from the field. Hayden Brown, second best player on the team, you could argue. 9 points, 3 of 12 from the field. South Carolina as a whole shot 34.4% from the field, which is 22 from 64. They shot 46.2% from the line, and they were 10 of 26 from 3 for 38%, which is solid. That's about the mark that I would have expected them to hover at considering the quality of their looks. But 
at the end of the day, this is a game the Clemson Tigers have to win. If you want to make the NCAA tournament, this is a game you absolutely have to have, and Clemson couldn't find a way to get the job done on Friday night. I was really disappointed uh, looking through the Tigers box score. It was the return of P.J. Hall on Friday night. He looked great. He played 22 minutes, went 7-12 from the uh, the field, added a three-point basket, added five rebounds to go with his 15 points, thought he looked good in his return in limited action. Uh, going over some of the starters, Brevin Galloway, you could argue he was the best Tiger had 13 points. I thought he played a pretty sound game defensively as well with a couple steals, added a couple rebounds. And then Chase Hunter continues to do what he does, which is just be an all-around dynamo for for the offense for this Clemson Tiger team. He had 13 points, five rebounds, and five assists with only one turnover. So that improves Chase Hunter's turnover to assist ratio. It's one turnover to 12 assists on the year. He's doing a good job manning uh, the point guard spot for Clemson. But, you know, the elephant in the room here is the Tigers only scored 58 points. They shot 37% from the field and 38% from three. They shot 55% from the line. This was a downright disappointing offensive game. And I think that, you know, a lot of it was turnovers. And it wasn't just turnovers in general because the 13 turnover mark isn't some gross number of turnovers that you can't live with. It was timely turnovers. It felt like Clemson played this whole game from behind after Carolina made that run at 14-8. Clemson was up 14-8 after P.J. Hall hit a three. Carolina made an 8-0 run and did not look back. They went into the break up 35-26. And after that, Clemson came out of the half a little bit strong. Carolina ran it back up to seven. Clemson ran it back down to two. Carolina ran it up a little bit. It, It was just like Clemson never had a grasp on this game. Personally, I try and stay as positive as possible when watching this team, which can be very difficult at times given some track record in recent years. Clemson doesn't have a great track record at the end of games. They tend to lose. I think it was the year after the Sweet 16 uh, where we returned four starters and missed the tournament because Clemson lost nine games by five points or less, six of those by three points or less. I'm pretty sure that's the number. Now, that year took years off my life. Full transparency, I will probably live two to three less years just watching that basketball team. I think that was the 2019 Tiger team. But this reminded me a lot of one of those games. Clemson just clawing back into it. Brevin Galloway knocks down two clutch free throws, and then Chico Carter comes down and scores on him for the game. It was a really tough contested jump shot uh, from a weird area on the floor. It's a shot that I'm going to guess he probably hasn't practiced very often. He made a tough shot, and you got to tip the cap. But I would be coming on here and lying to you guys, which I would never do, if I said that I thought Clemson deserved to win this game. I don't think Clemson deserved to win this game. I think Lamont Paris had his team more prepared than the Tigers. I think they played with more energy, and they seemed like they wanted it more. So when, when you look at what the, what the Tigers got from the bench, aside from P.J. Hall, who's really a starter, two points from the entirety of the bench unit. It was Chauncey Wiggins on a dunk, and Chauncey only played three minutes. You, know, you look at guys like Ian Shifflin, who had 20 and 14 last game. He only played 12 minutes. He went 0 of 4 from the field. Josh Beadle played 14 minutes. He went 0-4 from the field. Now, Beadle was really good defensively. He had a couple steals, also good on the defensive glass. I think he did some good things. I think a lot of these guys on the bench unit did some good things, but at the end of the day, it wasn't enough. This Tiger team needs more offense. It's just plain and simple. You got you to call it for what it is. This team needs to find a way to put the ball in the basket. Also, for what it's worth, that's one of the worst games I've seen Hunter Tyson play as a Tiger, but I have no doubts that he will be able to, you know, right the ship and continue to get better as the season goes along. He was great in the first game. He's going to be great all season. You could argue he's the Tigers' second best player. But this wasn't the Tigers' night on Friday night in Columbia, and it's disappointing. And the reason it's disappointing is because South Carolina was picked 14th some places, 15th other places in the SEC preseason. This is a bottom two team in the SEC that has 
one to two talented players in retrospect on the entire team. They have not a lot of talent in comparison to a lot of Power 5 schools. I'm just calling it how it is. And they have a rookie head coach with nine new faces. Nine. Nine new players on the team, first-year head coach, and the Tigers can't get the job done. I I was really disappointed. And do I think Clemson's going to bounce back? Absolutely. I think there will be some spots from this team over the tenure of the season where you're going to see flashes of greatness when the offense is clicking, when Hunter Tyson's hitting his shots, when Chase Hunter's manning the one, um, you know, when P.J. Hall is doing P.J. Hall because you guys are just seeing how talented he is game in, game out. You know, I know Walt loves P.J. Hall. He's been right about him the entirety of his career, and and he put out some tweets that said, this team goes as P.J. Hall goes. I got to agree with him. Now, my biggest issue wasn't even really the inability to put the ball in the basket because I think that that is just the identity of these Clemson teams at this point. There are going to be stretches where you don't score points, and and you just got to live with it. It's just the reality of the situation. The biggest issue I had is just the inconsistency with rotations. I didn't understand a lot of Clemson's rotations uh, or the substitution patterns. Ben Middlebrook started the game, and he played 11 minutes. Ian Shifflin played 12. PJ played 22. I get that from the big man distribution. Chauncey Wiggins came in, true freshman. He didn't play at all against the Citadel. I thought he gave three pretty good minutes. He didn't go back in the game. RJ Godfrey had eight minutes in which he tallied a rebound and not much else. He provided some pretty good minutes. He was a big part of why Gigi Jackson and Hayden Brown were struggling. RJ is just a big body. But what really shocked me more than anything was that Dylan Hunter only played seven minutes. 0 of 1 from the field and had an assist. Now, I understand he's a true freshman. He's 18 years old. He's playing point guard in, in, in the ACC, and you're not just going to walk into minutes. It's hard to play for, for as a freshman under Brad Brownell. It's really hard to play under Brad Brownell as a freshman because there's a lot of things you got to learn. But all the reports of what I've been hearing and what I saw over the tenure of the offseason was the fact that Dylan Hunter understood the offense at a veteran level. He was playing with great pace. And it just doesn't seem like in the rotations early on thus far, he's earned the trust of the coaching staff, which was the direct opposite of what I was hearing over the course of the offseason. So I was confused why Dylan didn't play a lot. You know, Josh only got 14 minutes. It was just a sporadic rotational game. Alex Hemingway played 32 minutes and only took two shots. I would have liked to see, you know, in a game where you're struggling to put the ball in the basket, I would have liked to see you run a couple more set plays for your shooters. I mean, I know Hemingway struggled in game one, but this is a guy that shot 40-plus percent from three last year, the last two years. He's the best shooter on your team. He only took one three ball. You know, Brevin Galloway, at least he was getting him up. He shot three for six for three. I said I thought he might have been the best player on the team, but this just didn't feel like a game where the Tigers had a lot of identity offensively, and that bothered me. It really did. Uh, they they were never in a position to win the game, in my opinion, and, and that also bothered me because it, it just felt like they were clawing back for the inevitable heartbreak at the end, and that's what ended up happening uh, with Chico Carter hitting that shot. Now, I do have to say, Brad Brownell's whole motto around Clemson is Clemson grit. This team did show some grit. This team showed some fight late. They were down nine at half. They could have rolled over and died, and they didn't. They came out of the half energized. They made a run back in it. They got back down seven or nine, and then they made a second run back in it. I think that goes to testament that Brad Brownell really believes what he preaches with the Clemson grit. But at the end of the day, you got to put the ball in the basket if you want to win games. If you want to make the NCAA tournament this year, you have to beat the 14th best team in the SEC. You have to, have to, have to. And I called it a must win without being a must win on my show on Wednesday night. And Clemson went out there and took a heartbreaking loss. So let's, let's shift to a little bit more of a positive perspective about Clemson basketball the women's team had two games since I last talked to you guys, and they went 2-0 in those. Uh, they actually broke a school record. 
Clemson broke the three-point record for women's basketball against Wofford on Thursday night with 14 three-pointers made. Maddie Ott had a career-high 16 points. That was a fun one to be at. Uh, The Tigers took down the Terriers 79-68. And then on Sunday... Uh, it was it was an early one. I think it was no, it was two p.m. So it wasn't that early. But for a Sunday, that's a little early. You know, I rolled out of bed, ready to watch the NFL. I was watching a little on my phone while I was at the game supporting Amanda Butler and the Lady Tigers. They got a win against Richmond, a twenty-one point win, uh, sixty-one to forty. Awesome. I didn't. I don't think they've looked great yet, too. So they're three and zero without really playing a good game, in my opinion. I, I know that this team can play a lot better. They're turning the ball over a lot and they're being sloppy offensively. They've got a lot of room to grow. So I think the future is bright for the Clemson women's basketball program. That really just goes on. I know there's been a lot of football talk today. I'm going to get to that in the last segment is what I plan to do. Uh, You know, we've got Tiger Calls with Dabo Swinney and Don Monson coming up next. So everyone's going to want to talk football, football, football. I'll kick off the football talk with 740 for them and kind of throw them a layup for the transition. But now we're going to talk some NFL. We're going to talk some NFL for the next segment and a half or so. If you guys want to get in, we've got a couple texts. Is that you fax? And yes, it is. I think that's Rory on the text line. Um, you guys can get in at 864-654-7627. That is 864-654-7627. Get in on the Adams & Co. roofing text line. Get in on the phone lines. We're talking NFL, talking college football, talking whatever you guys want to talk. Now, this this NFL weekend was interesting to me, Ramona. There was a lot of stuff going on. All right, It started off with a, a game in Munich in Germany between Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and Geno Smith and the Seahawks. And if you would have told me before the year that 10 games into the season – Geno Smith and the Seahawks would have had a better record than Tom Brady and the Buccaneers coming into this game. I would have literally called you crazy and said, you know, where's your tinfoil hat? Like, what's going on? What reality are you living in? But that's the reality we live in right now. The Buccaneers did win this game, but the Seahawks are still above them in the standings. They're still above them headed forward. So uh, it was, was it Friday that I was on Out of Bounds with Quok? I think it was Friday. So on Friday on Out of Bounds with Quok, I hosted the last hour and you were producing for that, Ramona. We got a texter in that asked me for my top three teams in the NFC. And I gave out the Eagles, the Buccaneers, and the 49ers as my top three. And, you know, there was a lot of pushback on that, and I, and I expected that because at that time I was picking the four and five Buccaneers and the four and four 49ers. The 49ers employed Jimmy Garoppolo, or as Walt likes to call him, Noodle Arm. Not, not a very good football player, if we're being transparent. And the Bucs have had all types of dysfunction and injuries. So I understand that why those were, you know, unpopular picks. But both those teams won football games against good football teams this weekend. The Buccaneers get a 21-16 win over the Seahawks, and the 49ers won last night over a Chargers team that seemed to shoot themselves in the foot a little bit. It was 22-16. to uh, The Chargers fall to 5-4. and four. The 49ers go to 5-4. and four. So when you look at the playoff picture right now, and we'll talk about this more in the next segment as well, Buccaneers currently sit as the division leader four seed, and the Niners are currently in there in the playoff picture as that seven-seed wild card. The NFC is jam-packed like sardines full of good teams right now. There is no room to breathe. There is no room for error in the NFC. Any loss could kill you. We saw that with Dallas. Dallas all of a sudden is staring down the barrel of potentially a three-game. Three games back in the NFC East if the Eagles win tonight, which they're expected to. We'll preview that game coming up as well. And now they're the sixth seed. In the NFC, at six and three, they're sitting as the sixth seed. That's and that's got to suck because they're currently slated to go to Minnesota, a team that just beat Buffalo on the road. Now, before the season, I had the Vikings in my NFC Championship game. I had them winning the NFC North. I said that Justin Jefferson was going to win Offensive Player of the Year. I could toot my horn right now 
and, and act like a genius and be like, ah, you know what? I told you guys so. But I'm, you know, while I expected the record to an extent, I'm actually not very confident in this Vikings team. And I'll tell you guys more why coming up in the next segment. Stick with us. This is Facts and Childress filling in for Mark Childress on the Mark Childress Show. Here at Granger Nissan, we have the perfect vehicle for tailgating the Clemson Tiger games. The Nissan Pathfinder and Nissan Rogue both have room for all of your family and gear. With a new inventory coming in daily, now is the time to secure one and get yours reserved. With special financing starting at only 1.9%, Granger Nissan will work with you in getting you the best price and deal today. Located at 3510 Clemson Boulevard in Anderson, you can call 864-328-1188 or shop us online at GrangerNissanOfAnderson.com. I'm a donut nut, I'm a donut nut, I'm a nut for Krispy Kreme. I'm Glenn Reese with Krispy Kreme Donuts in Anderson and Spartanburg. We're open seven days a week. Pick up some delicious donuts and a cup of coffee. Share a box or two at your business meeting, at church, or with family and friends during a time of need. Call Spartanburg and Anderson Krispy Kremes. I'm a donut nut, I'm a donut nut, I'm a nut for Krispy the season of inspiration event has started at Bradshaw Mazda. What does that mean to you? It means low lease specials, finance rates from 2.9 and no payments until 2023 on your new Mazda. Hi, this is Heidi Aiken. Upstate friends, pack your family and take a road trip this holiday season in a new Mazda from Bradshaw. Our lineup includes top safety picks, are the most reliable and fun to drive. Don't put your name on a list to buy a car. Drive away in a new Mazda today from Bradshaw Mazda, where cars are just easy to buy. See specials at BradshawMazda.com. With locations in Clemson and Williamston, the award-winning Purple Haze can help you outfit your apartment or dorm with cool items like black lights, tapestries, smoke bodies, and oil burners. Selected as the best place for piercing in the upstate, Purple Haze features body jewelry, sage, and crystals to bring your living space into harmony. Featuring the largest selection of glassware, Purple Haze in Clemson and Williamston has what you want. Whatever it is, that place will put a spell on you. Purple Haze, Clemson and Williamston. Here at ATV Outfitters, we stock more ATV, UTV, motocross, and street bike products than anyone for hundreds of miles around. We have more than 10,000 tires and wheels on hand, and we pride ourselves on great prices and getting you the accessories you need fast. Come see us in the items that are readily available to get your vehicle ready for the street, trail, or mud pit. Don't buy elsewhere. We'll both lose money. Come by the store located at 2485 Rutherford Road, Greenville, or shop online at ATVOutfitters.net. Greenville Office Supply is your single source supplier for any type of office products. They've strategically partnered with industry-leading suppliers to ensure delivery across the nation. With thousands of products on hand, they'll get your supplies to you the next day. GOS looks forward to personally packing and delivering your orders with a smile. Skip the trip to the big box stores and shop local. Call GOS today, 864-233-5346. You're scared. You cannot pay your credit cards. You cannot pay your medical bills. Someone suggests to you debt consolidation, combining them all in one payment. Can you really afford that? Is there something else you can do? Call me and see if bankruptcy can help you. Call me, Robert King. Together, we will look for a thoughtful solution to your legal problem. 
Thompson and King, 300 South Tower Street in Anderson. Call 222-0200 or online at thompsonking.com. Thompson and King is a debt relief agency helping people file for bankruptcy under the bankruptcy code. For over 30 years, Tigertown Graphics has been Clemson's source for one-of-a-kind t-shirts, fleece shirts, ponchos, and everything else that's authentically Clemson. And when we say authentic, we really mean authentic. Who knows fans better than fans themselves? Made in Clemson by Tiger fans for Tiger fans. With tons of new designs each year, Tigertown Graphics is your go-to for everything Clemson. There's something for everyone. Visit Tigertown Graphics in downtown Clemson. William Nichols from Scores Jewelers. You know, I'm very fortunate to work in an industry that's almost entirely focused on celebrating life's good times and milestones. Like the anniversary highlighting 5, 10, 15 years or more spent with your best friend, birthdays and Christmases, and maybe the biggest day of all, the marriage of two people. Her engagement ring is more than just a diamond and a piece of gold. On the day it's given as a gift, it becomes a meaningful symbol marking the start of your new life together. In a few years, you won't remember the price tag on her engagement ring, but you will remember that look on her face when you open the box. That moment of sheer joy and excitement that says so many things to her that you could never express in words. This is the true value of a ring. The reason these things are handed down from one generation to the next. She's the one. Show her with the ring from Scores Jewelers. We'll help you find or make the perfect ring that says everything you want to say the moment you open the box for her. I'm William Nichols of Scores Jewelers and Anderson and online at scoresdiamondjewelers.com and I want to be your jeweler. Welcome back into the Mark Childress Show. I'm Faxon Childress filling in for Mark Childress. Talk some Clemson basketball last segment on the men's and the women's side. Men's team fell to 1-1 one one after a loss at the U of SC. Women's team improved to 3-0 with wins at home against Wofford and Richmond. And Ramona, biggest game of the season this year for the Clemson women's basketball team on Thursday. They're playing defending national champs South Carolina at home. That is going to be a game. Oh, they are? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm not expecting the Lady Tigers to win. I got to be fully transparent, but I think they can keep it competitive. I hope they well, can keep it close. They're going to play hard. Uh, they're going to play hard, and you you never know. That's why they play the game. Little John Coliseum. Right. Hopefully, will be packed and rocking. I'm sure it will. With the defending national champions in town, it'll be a really good game, and I'm I'm excited to see it. Excited to see some uh, good women's basketball and competition. Been talking some NFL, and we'll talk some NFL for the rest of this segment, and then talk some Clemson football, segueing into Tiger calls with Dabo Swinney. If you guys want to get in on the Adams & Co. roofing text line or the phone lines, both are open at 864-654-7627. That's where we're going to go right now to our phone lines. We're going to go to Rory. Rory, how are you doing on this Monday night, man? Hey, I'm fantastic. How are you, Faxon? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, good. Um, now, Faxon, you know, I wasn't born last night, you know, but something happened where... Um, a line that I've seen today really looked uh, screwy to me. The Cowboys lost to the Packers, correct? Indeed, yes. Minnesota beat Buffalo, correct? Correct. And then I've seen that Dallas is favored in Minnesota. Does that not sound real? And I, I don't think they're favored by more than a point. Yeah, they are minus one. I'm seeing that, too. I'm sorry? I said, yeah, they're minus one. I'm seeing that, too. I I hadn't looked at the slate before that, but now that you're mentioning it, Dallas is favored this weekend in Minnesota. 
Does that not sound really goofy or like uh, I, I can't understand that. I really don't. I I would think Minnesota would be favored by a field goal. I don't. Yeah, you know, you, I think you pose a good point there, Rory. I talked a little bit last segment about the Vikings. That's actually what I went to break with. Uh, and I'll talk about them a little bit more here now. So they get the big win over the Bills. And, you know, you know, Rory, why it's shocking to me more than anything why this line is minus one in favor of the Cowboys is because you would think this is where Minnesota is at their maximum value in Vegas coming off a big win and cover at Buffalo and that this is the bottom of the barrel value-wise for the Cowboys coming off the loss to Green Bay. So it makes me wonder, if those results had flipped, how many point favorites would Dallas have been? Because the Vikings were one QB sneak fumble away on the one from losing that game, and Dallas blew a 14-point lead and lost in overtime. So, if have the, you ever seen a game like the the Buffalo and the Vikings? I I mean, I, I just couldn't understand that. That was just nuts there at the end, recovering a fumble in the end zone. After, oh, I, I, oh my! I, I just never seen anything like that, Paxson. No, that was ever. like one of the craziest games I've ever seen. Uh, you know, Stefan Diggs had what I would call the best catch in any NFL game this season until it was one upped by Justin Jefferson, who made, not an exaggeration, the best catch I've seen in my life watching football. It's up there. It's in the top three. I I always thought it was uh, Odell Beckham's catch from maybe 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, the 2014 Odell catch. But uh, And then the guy that caught the one in the Super Bowl from Eli, I always kind of had up there. Oh, yeah, the helmet catch. Um, Yeah, the helmet catch. But... This weekend, I see two that were better than that. Two that were better than that. Uh, the one you mentioned them, I think you mentioned them both. But hey, facts. Thanks for letting me get on, man. Appreciate it. Can't wait to hear the talk about the Tigers. Of course, appreciate, you, buddy. appreciate the call, Rory, as always. And yeah, I, Rory's not over exaggerating it. Those two catches from Justin Jefferson and Stefan Diggs were two of the best I've seen in my lifetime. Justin Jefferson, for the uh, if you guys haven't seen the clip, open Twitter. Just go search Justin Jefferson's name in or open Google and search his name in, YouTube, any of that. Unbel- like legitimately unbelievable. I literally gasped upon him catching it. It was it was fourth and 18, and Kirk Cousins threw up nothing short of a prayer. Justin Jefferson did not have his hands on the ball first. A safety for Buffalo tried to high point and pick the ball. Jefferson went up with one hand, grabbed it with just his fingertips, got his whole palm on it, and ripped it out of the safety's hands, came to the ground and made the catch. This is with the game on the line on 4th and 18, and they ended up scoring a touchdown. Or no, they didn't score a touchdown. They ended up going down to the 1. They got stuffed on 4th and goal from the 1, and then Josh Allen fumbled the QB sneak coming out of his own end zone at the 1, which was recovered by Eric Kendricks in the end zone. So Minnesota went up three. There was about 50 seconds left for Josh Allen. He marched him down the field to a field goal. Tyler Bass nailed it. And then in overtime, Minnesota settled for a field goal. Josh Allen was coming down. He was at about the 25-yard line of Minnesota's, and he threw a pick to Patrick Peterson, and it's that way the, the Vikings are 8-1. and one. And, you know, I talked a little bit before break about how coming into the year, I had the Vikings in the NFC Championship game. I had them losing in the, uh, or losing in the NFC Championship game, winning the NFC North, and winning 13 games. I'm lower on this team now at eight and one than I am than I was preseason, and I know that's going to sound crazy. But if there, if anything, I think this Vegas line movement proves my point for me. 
Dallas is minus one coming off a loss to Green Bay on the road at Minnesota. That, that shows me everything I have to know about this Minnesota team. I think they've been dancing through the flames, and it's unfortunate to say as someone that was high on the team coming into the year. I really was high on them. I still am. It would be easy to be high on them at 8-1, and one, but you know, let's just take a look down these results. They get blown out by Philadelphia in Week 2, and you're like, okay, the Eagles are the best team in football right now. Whatever, you're on the road, it's Week 2. No one cares. 28-24 against the Lions, 28-25 against the Saints, 29-22 against the Bears, 24-16 against the Dolphins, 34-26 against the Cardinals, 2017 against the Commanders, 33-30 against the Bills. They have won seven consecutive one-score games. They have won one game all year that was not decided by one score, and it was the Packers week one. I'm not saying that they're not capable of of making a run in the playoffs. I'm not saying that this isn't a good team. I think this is a good team. You know, I banged the drum preseason. I like Kirk a lot, you know, in a non-primetime game. I like Justin Jefferson a lot. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. But this team is dancing through the fire right now at 8-1. and one. They've got a tough schedule, tough-ish schedule coming up with Dallas, New England, New York, and then, you know, they've got Detroit, the Colts, and the Giants after that. They end it with the Packers and the Bears. You know, the next couple games are tough, but this is a team that realistically is probably going to coincide right around my original prediction of 13 and 4. They're going to they're going to hover right in that range, but the fashion that they're doing it in is not convincing me. I'm not sold on the Minnesota Vikings. I really am not. And and you know, moving on in the NFC, you know, you look at the standings. The Eagles are at 8-0. They play the Commanders tonight. They're 11-point favorites. They're going to handle business and win. I feel confident in that. After the Vikings, there's a drop-off record-wise. It's the Seattle Seahawks at 6-4 and four as the three seed. The Buccaneers are 5-5 five and five as the four seed. The Giants hold the first wild card at 7-2. and two. Fraudulent. Absolutely filthily fraudulent, in my opinion. I don't think that Giants team's very good at all. The Cowboys are at 6-3. and three. The Niners are at 5-4. and four. And then you got the Commanders, the Packers, yada, yada, yada. The Falcons, the Cardinals, the Lions. The Rams are 3-6 and six after winning the Super Bowl. The Panthers, uh, the Saints, and the Bears. So... Yes, the Vikings are 8-1. and one. Am I taking them long-term over a Tampa Bay, over a San Francisco? Heck, even a Dallas? I hate Dallas. I hate them so much, Ramon. It's, I grew up hating Dallas. It's in my core to hate Dallas. I absolutely despise them. I think they might just be better than Minnesota, and, and they've been more convincing in their wins. I'm not 100% sure how Kevin O'Connell, who I did deem a great hire, and clearly it's proven such, I'm not 100% sure he's built for the moment. In in these big games, he's made some questionable decisions. They got absolutely bailed out against Buffalo. We're having a completely, entirely different discussion about this Minnesota team. If they failed to punch it in on second and goal, third and goal, and fourth and goal from the one, but Josh Allen fumbled the snap and bailed them out. That's the reality of the situation. So long-term, I'm selling the Vikings more now than I was before the season. That's just the reality of the situation for me. Now, when we look at the AFC and how their playoff picture is shaping up, the Chiefs are the one seed at 7-2, and two, the Dolphins are the two seed at 7-3, and three, and then you've got the Titans, the Ravens, the Jets, and the Bills all at 6-3. and you got the Patriots and the Chargers and the Bengals at 5-4, and four, and then Jeff Saturday and the Indianapolis Colts are at 4-5-1. and one. Uh, You know, there's something in the sports world about firing your coach and you bring in the interim and that just get, lights the team on fire. We see it in the sports world so much. It, it, it happens so frequently that I really was not even surprised by the Colts going into Las Vegas and beating the Raiders. And I got to say, 
I'm not a Colts fan. Actually, coming into the year, I said I thought they would miss the playoffs, and they made a mistake trading away Carson Wentz and bringing in Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan was on pace to break the turnover record through seven games. He got benched for Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger struggled for two weeks. Frank Reich got fired. So Jeff Saturday comes in literally off his couch. Literally off his couch. He's not on staff for the Colts prior to this. He's just chilling at the crib. Feet are kicked up. He's got a beer in his hand on Sunday. And he's watching Sunday football with his fantasy team like the rest of us. And he gets a call from Jim Irsay and says, you want to come coach the Indianapolis Colts for the rest of the season? He says, yes. And they go into Las Vegas and they win a football game. This is one of the best stories in all of sports right now. I watched the post-game conference, uh, or the post-game speech, rather, by Jeff Saturday in the Colts locker room. It was downright incredible. I, I loved every moment of it. I really did love every moment of it. You can tell his passion for the game, how much he loves the Colts franchise as a whole. You know, it was good to see Matty Ice bounce back. Matt Ryan had a good game, 21 to 28 through the air, 222 yards and a TD. And also, Matt Ryan had a 39-yard scramble, which I'm not, I, I have no way to authenticate this right now, but it has to be up there with one of the longest of his career. Matt Ryan's like 37 years old and scrambled for 39 yards. I feel pretty confident in myself in a foot race against Matt Ryan at this current juncture, which makes me think I could have gotten 50. And I've got no business being on an NFL field. So uh, hats off to Matt Ryan for that scramble, which was the funniest play this last weekend. But the Indianapolis Colts still are not out of it with Jeff Saturday. And I I just had to tip the cap to him. I had it on my Google Doc here to talk about and cover because you, you can't not cover it coming off of what happened yesterday. I mean, they literally hired him off of his couch. They had a 30-year-old first-time-ever play caller calling plays. Ever. It was the first time in his entire career he was calling plays, and it was on an NFL Sunday. And the Colts marched into Las Vegas and gets a win. I think that might be a little bit more indicative on what whatever clown show is going on with Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas. Because I heard Quok rip Josh McDaniels earlier today. It was more than deserved. Josh McDaniels is an absolute bozo. I have no idea how he lucked into this job in Las Vegas. It, you know, if the ownership of the Las Vegas Raiders is somehow hearing this, I will come coach for you. I can go 2-7 and seven with Devontae Adams and Derek Carr and Darren Waller. I can do that. I'll lose you football games. You can pay me a million dollars. I'll go I'll go lose you a lot of football games. So if that's the goal, hire me instead of Josh McDaniels. I can go lose, a, a, you know, as efficiently as he can. Heck, we might even be better. If Jeff Saturday can get the call up off the couch, it's got, it's got me wondering about what, what my potential talents would be like. I can go in there and motivate go in there and lead but if anything what Sunday proved to me now and I'll take this to an alternate point there are a lot of people that hate on Dabo Swinney and say that well you know Dabo is really just a leader and he doesn't have a ton of football knowledge which I think is stupid but even if that were true I think Sunday just proved that Dabo Swinney could succeed in the NFL I mean Jeff Saturday came in there didn't know the playbook didn't know anything going on he literally got hired off his couch and those players played so darn hard for him, and they went to war for Jeff Saturday with Indianapolis. And if there's one thing about Dabo Swinney, we know he can motivate, and we know those players are going to play as hard as they possibly can on every given Saturday. So I think that was just another thing to show that sometimes it may be smarter to take the leadership angle in the NFL because these are professionals being paid millions of dollars, and it's a little bit different than college from an attitude perspective. You have to find a way to, to lead and manage your NFL locker room. There's a lot of egos. People are making more money than you even know what to do with. More money than I will ever see in my life in one year. But if you can get a leader in there that can get them all for one common goal, one for co- one common ground, like Jeff Saturday did on, on this past Sunday, 
I think I think it proves that leadership is an underrated aspect of the NFL. You talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, who were completely dysfunctional two years ago, and now are the best team in the NFL at this current point. And a lot of that is just locker room culture. It's leadership. It's leadership from Nick Sirianni. It's leadership from Jalen Hurts. You're not seeing good teams in the NFL that have bad cultures. That doesn't exist ever. Miami Dolphins, Mike McDaniel comes in, Tua Tagovailoa. The team is rallying around both of them. They're 7-3. and three. They're the two-seed in the AFC. Last five years under Brian Flores, absolutely dysfunctional. Media outlets leaking this, media outlets leaking that. Culture will remain king in the sport of football. You have to have your players bought in, especially in the NFL. It is, the, it is absolutely imperative. Absolutely imperative that your players are bought in in the NFL and that you have your locker room believing in your team, willing to go to this war any given time. Be back after this Clemson football talk. Facts and Childress filling in for Mark Childress on the Mark Childress Show. Here at Granger Nissan, we have the perfect vehicle for tailgating the Clemson Tiger games. The Nissan Pathfinder and Nissan Rogue both have room for all of your family and gear. With a new inventory coming in daily, now is the time to secure one and get yours reserved. With special financing starting at only 1.9%, Granger Nissan will work with you in getting you the best price and deal today. Located at 3510 Clemson Boulevard in Anderson, you can call 864-328-1188 or shop us online at GrangerNissanOfAnderson.com. The season of inspiration event has started at Bradshaw Mazda. What does that mean to you? It means low lease specials, finance rates from 2.9 and no payments until 2023 on your new Mazda. Hi, this is Hi- Upstate Fresh. Your family road trip this holiday season in a new Mazda. Lineup includes top safety picks, are the most reliable and fun to drive. Don't put your name on a list to buy a car. Drive away in a new Mazda today from Bradshaw Mazda, where cars are just easy to buy. See specials at BradshawMazda.com. Here at ATV Outfitters, we stock more ATV, UTV, motocross, and street bike products than anyone for hundreds of miles around. We have more than 10,000 tires and wheels on hand, and we pride ourselves on great prices and getting you the accessories you need fast. Come see us in the items that are readily available to get your vehicle ready for the street, trail, or mud pit. Don't buy elsewhere. We'll both lose money. Come by the store located at 2485 Rutherford Road, Greenville, or shop online at atvoutfitters.net. Greenville Office Supply is your single source supplier for any type of office products. They've strategically partnered with industry-leading suppliers to ensure delivery across the nation. With thousands of products on hand, they'll get your supplies to you the next day. GOS looks forward to personally packing and delivering your orders with a smile. Skip the trip to the big box stores and shop local. Call GOS today, 864-233-5346. Hey, sports fans, cigars, cigars, cigars. Where to get them? At Tobacco Plus, home to South Carolina's largest humidor, featuring the best selection of fine, hand-rolled cigars at the best prices. Hand-select a smooth, delicious Monte Cristo, a Padron, Cohiba, Romeo, and Julieta, or find that Golf Day cigar at exit 60 off Interstate 85 in Greer. Buy any eight cigars, and the ninth cigar is free. Tobacco Plus, South Carolina's largest humidor. 864-968-1133. 
If you want to get in some serious time on the golf course this winter, you'll want a Winter 10 Play Card from Arrowhead Point. That's 10 rounds for just 100 bucks, with rounds good anytime, any day from the 1st of December till the end of February on the beautiful Arrowhead Point Golf Course on Lake Richard B. Russell in Alberton, Georgia. Rounds are non-transferable, and there are other restrictions. The Winter 10 Play Card at Arrowhead Point Golf Course, 706-283-6000. Come check out our fresh inventory reload at Burns Chevy in Gaffney. We're currently stocking 30 pre-owned trucks and SUVs under $30,000. Some of these great deals qualify for our highly rated buy here, pay here program. Hurry, these trucks are selling fast. Visit online at BurnsChevyofGaffney.com or in person at exit 92 just past the Big Peach on I-85. Burns Chevrolet, your right choice since 1923. Standing water or that musty smell in your basement can be a sign of major problems. Canty Foundation Specialists are your local experts in basement waterproofing and crawl space repair. Call us today for a free estimate. Canty can fix it. Call the local experts for a free estimate. Call Canty Foundation Specialists at 864-403-5263 and ask about transferable warranties and available financing. That's 864-403-5263 or online at cantycanfixit.com. Okay, can I have everybody's attention for just a second? Morgan's media planning firm just landed a multi-million dollar client. Because we won the pitch. She needs to staff up before trafficking hits a traffic jam. So we're going to need research, planning, buying, obviously, and probably data analytics. Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. For over 30 years, Tigertown Graphics has been Clemson's source for one-of-a-kind t-shirts, fleece shirts, ponchos, and everything else that's authentically Clemson. And when we say authentic, we really mean authentic. Who knows fans better than fans themselves? Made in Clemson by Tiger fans for Tiger fans. With tons of new designs each year, Tigertown Graphics is your go-to for everything Clemson. There's something for everyone. Visit Tigertown Graphics in downtown Clemson. For an incredible eight years running, Diamonds and Gold Direct has been named Anderson's best jewelry store. From a vast selection of engagement rings to their designer collection, Diamonds and Gold Direct has earned their place as Anderson's best. So stop in and see what makes Diamonds and Gold Direct your favorite jeweler. Diamonds and Gold Direct, Anderson's best jewelry store. Main Street, across from the mall. Diamonds and Gold Direct, we're your diamond source. The holiday season is upon us, and we're here to help spread some joy to the world with a Christmas loan from Founders Federal Credit Union. Our Christmas loan is a great way to cover any expense. So deck the halls with all the tinsel and holly. Make the holidays magical with a Founders Christmas loan. Use Founders online or visit an office near you to apply for a Christmas loan today. Terms and conditions apply. Membership qualification required. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome back. Final segment of the Mark Childress Show. I'm Faxon Childress here filling in for Mark Childress. Tiger Calls with Dabo Swinney up next. So you guys are going to want to make sure to stick with us through this segment into the next on 105.5 The Roar. Going to talk some Clemson football here. It's kind of set the tone for this last segment. Going to recap this Louisville game. 
Tigers take the win over the Louisville Cardinals, 31-16. DJ Uyunglele, 19 of 27 through the air for 185 yards and a touchdown. Phil Moffa, 10 carries for 106 yards and a touchdown. Will Shipley, 19 carries for 97 yards and a touchdown, including the play of the season for the Clemson Tigers thus far with the incredible hurdle. And I've got to say, I knew this game was going to be a win when I saw the purple on orange. The purple on orange is an undefeated combo now at Clemson. It's 10-0 when Clemson wears purple. Purple tops, orange pants. I think it's an incredible combo. I know there are some haters of it. Might get some crap for that on the Adams & Co. roofing text line, but you know you got to live with the people that disagree. I'm a fan of the purple on orange. Ramona, what did you think of the purple on orange? I like the purple and white. You like the purple and white? Yes. Really? Yes. The purple, when's the, I, I wonder when the last time Clemson's worn purple they and white. They hardly ever do it. Yeah, I was going to say... The purple, the purple and orange or purple on white is not really a feature combo for this Clemson Tiger team. You usually get the all purple out on uh, Military Appreciation Day. Dabo Sweeney decides to go a little bit bold, make the call, go for the purple on orange to fire up the Tigers, who officially clinch the AC Atlantic. So, you know, congrats to everybody there. Two of the five goals for the Tigers, you know, Dabo Sweeney talks about it and the whole team talks about it. I saw KJ Henry tweet after the game. He said two of five complete. It's, you know, you got to win the opener. You got to win the division. You got to win the state. You got to win the ACC championship. And then you got to win the closer. So Clemson is two fifths of their way to the goal. That's 40%. Job is nowhere near finished as you got a couple big games coming up next. But, you know, to recap this Louisville game, obviously it was an interesting one. Malik Cunningham on the last play, well, number one, he was playing injured to begin with. He had a major wrap on his non throwing hand, his left hand. And on the last play of the first half, he had an electric run that he bursted for 26 yards. But he got tackled really hard on it and kind of fell over and tumbled, and he immediately grabbed at that hand. He ended up not coming back into the game due to injury in the second half. He was replaced by uh, Brock Dahman, who I honestly didn't think looked bad. Uh, the kid actually did a pretty good job airing the ball out. He was 13-23 to 23 for 175 yards of TD and a pick. Uh, you know, if you're Louisville fans, I don't think Malik going out is why you lost this game if you want me to be honest with you. I don't think that this is a different result with Malik in there. Uh, obviously, your offense had a little bit different of a look with Donman in there. But I think at the at the end of the day, this was the bounce-back game for the Clemson defense. You know, up front, the Tigers won all night, as expected. And obviously, they were pissed off because they didn't win up front all night against Notre Dame, Romano. That was the biggest issue against Notre Dame was, you know, the Tigers kind of got punched in the mouth up front. And... Wes Goodwin said as much in the postgame presser. A couple of the players said as, as much in the postgame presser. You know, we got our butt whooped, was used with some expletives by a couple of players. That was the reality of the situation. Clemson got dominated by Notre Dame, and this was a great way to get back on track against Louisville. I thought the Tigers dominated this game for the most part. Now, if there is one concern I would have coming out of this game, it's this turnover bug that Clemson's got right now. They continue to turn the ball over on offense, and, and this game it was done with some fumbles. DJ Uyunglele had a fumble. Uh, Will Shipley had two. One was actually recovered by Louisville. Got to limit the turnovers, and they can find a way to do that. You're going to find a lot more offensive success. Now, delving more into the offense, you run for 248 yards, and obviously Moffa and Shipley both have incredible games. Uh, Moffa with that 39-yard run was incredible, uh, the touchdown. And then he had a, a play where he just kept pushing the pile, and they kept pushing Moffa forward. And, uh, you know, Clemson showed a lot of fight against Louisville. It was something we didn't see a lot against Notre Dame. Clemson showed a lot of fight. They showed a team that knows they're still in the mix. They showed a team that is capable of battling back from adversity. So I was pleased with what I saw, you know, on Saturday afternoon slash night from the Tigers. And then, more importantly, 
Clemson got some help. Clemson got some help around the college football world on Saturday night, specifically from the Washington Huskies and the Arizona Wildcats. We take our way out to the Pac-12. Oregon loses outright as 13-point favorites at home against Washington. And UCLA loses outright as 21-point favorites at home against Arizona. Now, I talked a little bit on my Wednesday installment of my show about what would Clemson's realistic path to the college football playoff entail? And a lot of people were texting in, you know, do you seriously want to see this team go to the playoff? Uh, You know, we have no chance of making the playoff. I I still do not think that's true. I, I still think that the Clemson Tigers have a realistic path to the college football playoff, and they were majorly helped out, once again, by Arizona and by Washington. One of the one of the hypotheticals I threw out for for how Clemson needed to get back into the college football playoff talk was the Pac-12 needed to implode on himself. The Pac-12 just imploded. Clemson is one lo- USC loss away from the Pac-12 being completely eliminated, and, and a USC loss is not far fetched at all considering the remaining schedule. They still have to play UCLA, they still have to play Notre Dame, and then they're going to have to play Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. So. USC is going to have three ranked opponents, and if one of those can beat USC, then the Pac-12 is eliminated from college football playoff contention. Now, one place the Tigers did not get help from over this past weekend was Texas could not get the job done as seven-point favorites against TCU. This TCU team continues to fight, and man, you know, we were on TCU pretty early on my show. At 4-0, I identified him. I said, you know what? I think this team's actually pretty legitimate. But this team is dancing through the fire right now, man. I've got, I've got to give Sonny Dyke some credit. They are finding a way to win, and that is not something I would expect from a, a first-year head coach. You know, Tex, you get the Texas win on the road, you're seven-point underdogs, and you went outright 17-10. to 10. Previously, the Texas Tech game, 34-24, to 24, that was an ugly game for TCU as well, and they found a way to win. They found a way to grit it out. West Virginia, that was an ugly game. doesn't tell the whole story. They threw a touchdown with like 20 seconds left in that game to make it a 10-point game. That was a rock fight. The Oklahoma State game, 43-40, rock fight. Kansas State, 38-28, rock fight. Kansas, 38-31, rock fight. They are winning one-score games very frequently. And, And like I said, I'm not trying to discredit what they're doing right now at TCU. I just think that there is going to come a point where it's the end of the road for this team. And I think that's going to come either next week at Baylor and I know Baylor just looked terrible and got blown out, and that's probably a bad take, but I think Baylor could have a bounce-back week or in the Big 12 title game. I don't, see, I don't see TCU running the table and going undefeated. I don't think that this has the makeup of an undefeated football team. I don't think they have enough talent to go undefeated. Now, Max Duggan's a quality quarterback. Quentin Johnson's a round one guy in the NFL out wide. You've got a good running back, and you're good enough up front. You're good enough to run through the Big 12 in a year where it's more down than we've ever seen the Big 12. But do you have college college football playoff talent is different gravy because we see blowouts in the college football playoff every single year. And, 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 you know, this is one of the main reasons I'm against the playoff expansion is I think that we already see enough blowouts in the college football playoff. I think there's enough talent gap amongst the top teams that throwing in, you know, a six or an eight team field or potentially a t- it seems a little bit disingenuous to the sport of college football. It seems like a money grab. And I know that I'm not going to be in the majority by thinking that. And I will still watch these expanded football playoff games because they'll be fun. 
but I, I just think that this is a, a sport in which there's not a ton of parity to begin with. I think there's a really large talent gap between who's at the top and who's at the bottom. And, and I think there's a really large talent gap at who the top four are compared to the rest of the six through ten. And I think that's applicable for this season, and this is the most parity we've seen in college football in a while. So to say TCU is going to go undefeated, run the table, and they have college football playoff talent, this is a college football playoff team, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll believe it when I see it. You have to go at Baylor. That's going to be a tough game next week. At home against Iowa State should be a win. That program's kind of in turmoil right now. But that Big 12 title game, Ramona, I'm going to probably pick against TCU in that game. I, I really am. If that's Kansas State on the other side, I'm probably going to pick Kansas State. Uh, depending on who the matchup is, I think I'm going to pick against TCU in this game. So when you lay out these hypotheticals for how Clemson could still get into the college football playoff, you need one loss from USC. You need TCU to lose in the Big 12 title game. And then all bets are off. Obviously, Clemson's going to have to win out. But here's, here's a point I was talking about a little bit earlier today as well with my friends. UNC actually has the same path that Clemson has. They have the exact same path. If UNC wins out and wins the ACC, they will be 12-1 and ACC champs with a loss to Notre Dame. That would be Clemson's exact resume. Now, I think Clemson's played a more difficult schedule. And that's indicative of why they're currently higher ranked than UNC. But if UNC wins out, they have a very realistic path to the college football playoff as well. This is going to break open because it breaks open every year. And now we're getting texts in. Uh, do you think Clemson is a top four team at this current juncture? No. But I'm laying out a path to where they could be. And we've seen Clemson teams in the past make strides late in the season, ascend to that whole new college football playoff level. You've got coaches who have been on the stage before. That's something that's extremely valuable. They know what it takes to win. Sonny Dykes and TCU have never been on the stage. You know, Harbaugh's been to one college football playoff last year and they got blown out. Ryan Day's never won a national championship. Kirby Smart's got one. Dabo Sweeney's got two. Now, Georgia looks like the powerhouse of the college football world right now. Uh, you look at Tennessee, they've never been anywhere near this stage. And, you know, the the top rebuttal to the fact that Clemson's still, because a lot of people are saying that the ACC's eliminated. I don't think that's true. The top rebuttal and, and the reason people are saying the ACC is eliminated is, well, you're going to have an 11-1 Tennessee and you're going to have an 11-1, one of Ohio State and Michigan. I think that the conference championship is going to trump that in eyes of the committee. Now, I know the conference championship is going to trump that in the eyes of the committee when regarding Ohio State or Michigan. I know it for a fact. Especially Michigan. Michigan's got the worst non-conference schedule I've ever seen in my life. Ohio State hasn't really played anyone worth a lick anyways. So, if you've got an 11-1 Michigan team going against a 12-1 Clemson or UNC team that have won their chance, I, I think that that's Clemson or UNC all day being put in. Tennessee is where things get weird. Tennessee being 11-1 with quality wins over LSU, Bama, and others, and their only loss being to number one undefeated UGA, that's where Clemson's problem lies. Because I do think that Tennessee has a better resume than Clemson, and that's going to be something where there's a little bit of headbutting amongst the committee if Clemson gets to that stage and saying, hey, you know, we know the committee loves the SEC regardless. But I think you have to value the conference championship for either Clemson or UNC. If they both run the table, if Clemson handles Miami and Carolina, UNC wins out. Clemson's going to be like number six, five, six in that range by that time. 
and UNC is going to be in the top 10 as well. That's going to be a top 10 matchup in the ACC championship game. And I think you have to present the case that, hey, if you have an 11-1 Clemson team ranked in the top six and you have an 11-1 UNC team ranked in the top 10, I think the winner of that game probably goes to the college football playoff if the Pac-12 implodes. I think you see a realistic scenario where you could put in Georgia, the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, Tennessee, and Clemson. I could see I could see a realistic scenario in which that happens. So got a couple texts in on the line uh, from the Adams and Co. Roofing text line as well. Thank you guys for getting in all night. Uh, enjoyed filling in for Mark Childress tonight. It was fun as always and was a pleasure. Uh, I hope you guys are seeing my path out where I say Clemson can still make the college football playoff. Obviously, you know, a lot of the people out there are hopeful. I'm trying to be positive. I think there's a lot of positives to take against that game from Louisville, but you got to be objective about things as well. When you lay out the objective path, I think Clemson has a more than likely scenario to reach the college football playoff if they went out and handled their business. Thank you guys for tuning in. Facts on sports from 7 to 8 tomorrow. Tiger Calls with Dabo Swinney up next. The FC East. TGFM 105.5. Clemson. Greenville Anderson. WAHT AM 1560. Cowpens. 97.5 Spartanburg. We are the Roar. Welcome to Tiger Calls, presented by United Bank on the Clemson Athletic Network. Brought to you by United Bank, providing excellence in service. Proud to be united with the Tigers. Member FDIC, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola and Clemson football. Always a great call. Founders Federal Credit Union. Relax with Founders Federal Credit Union. Lending Tree. Lending Tree, you win. Crawl Space Ninja. Proud to be all in with Clemson football. For a free inspection and quote, go to crawlspaceninja.com. Ibte, supporting the success of Clemson student-athletes since 1990.